episode of Assurance in Action, the podcast of your total quality assurance provider, Intertech. I am your host, Seth Martin Wick, and today's episode was made possible by Ethical Sourcing Forum. Ethical Sourcing Forum brings together members of the global sustainability community to address emerging supply chain challenges. Upcoming on November 6th in New York City, ESF will be taking place. Unfortunately, at this episode's release, tickets to attend in person will be sold out, so please be sure to attend online. The live stream is free of charge and features some of the industry's leading voices in supply chain sourcing and management. The link will be in the description of this podcast. This episode today, however, was recorded live at ESF Bentonville and features RAP President and CEO Avita Severian discussing his program, the Worldwide Responsible Accredited Production Certification Program. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the program that I uh, run, which is RAP, Worldwide Responsible Accredited Production. Uh, the next 30 minutes or so will be spent covering briefly what is RAP, tell you just uh, sort of our, our story and uh, talk to you a little bit about how we're structured, your organizational overview. Uh, then we'll briefly cover what is it that we audit against? What are the 12 RAP principles? Uh, what are the things that um, you'll, you'll have to ensure you're doing right in your uh, factories? Um, and as you just heard, a lot of these are fairly uniform across the program. So none of this is going to be really remarkably new to anybody. Uh, I'll talk about the implementation requirements. What is it that we, we actually look for at the factory level and how we do it? What is the process? What are the fees? What are the various levels of certification? Just to give you a sense of some of the nuts and bolts. Uh, and then I'll spend a few minutes talking about some general best practices with regards to the space at large, social compliance, uh, what we consider factories uh, should be thinking about and buyers should be thinking about, and what is it that we think about in terms of our own approaches and processes. Um, and then I'll obviously plug the program a bit. What are the benefits of RAP certification? That's kind of what I'm here to do. Uh, wouldn't be much of a CEO if I didn't uh, do that. Uh, and then I'll, I'll have some time in the end there for uh, question and answers. Um, so for those of you on the webcast, just to remind everyone, raise your hand or use the question panel there on the side. We'll be happy to take questions uh, uh, all together as a panel at the end as well, but I'll save a few minutes, 15 minutes hopefully, uh, just for questions about RAP itself. All right, let's get started. So what is RAP? RAP is the world's largest independent factory-based certification program that focuses on the apparel, textile, sewn product space. Uh, you'll be hearing from several programs, and one of the things that uh, we are unique about in this regard is that uh, we're the only one that are, is a specialized program. We don't do food. We don't do pharmaceuticals. We don't do furniture. We don't do electronics. We just do sewn products. That's our, our space. We made the decision a long time ago to concentrate on that space, uh, in part because we think that it is definitely the most labor intensive of the spaces and therefore needs that much more attention, but also in part because we believe that specialization puts us in a better place to be that much more of an expert resource to the supply chain, both on the buyer side and on the vendor side, uh, by sticking to our knitting, such as it were. Um, we define our mission and ourselves as an objective nonprofit team of global experts. Uh, that's who we are. What we are dedicated to is the promotion of safe, lawful, humane, and ethical manufacturing around the world. That's what we do. And how we do it is through certification and education. We are primarily a certification program. 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the mechanics of that, as I said, in a minute. Uh, but we also believe that it is part of our mission to educate the supply chain, uh, not just about the mechanics of the certification, but on why it matters and what are the best practices you should do to achieve it, maintain it, build on it. And so we have a training program that uh, we are uh, proud to uh, provide as well, which I'll tell you a little bit about in a few minutes, uh, in addition to the certification program. We are worldwide. The W in RAP stands for that. Uh, we certify and inspect factories all over the world um, in the own product space, as I said, uh, using third-party monitoring partners like Intertech, uh, but anywhere in the world where there is some manufacturing or some an accessory in that space, uh, you can get that facility RAP certified. We are also officially the corporate social responsibility partner of the American Apparel and Footwear Association, the AAFA, the apex body of uh, brands and retailers in the United States, representing over a thousand different brands. Um, and we're proud to be the official corporate social responsibility partner of that organization. All right, let's talk a little bit about how we're structured to give you a sense of, uh, of sort of the entity that is RAP. Uh, we are a nonprofit organization, but not a charity. Those are 501c3s under the IRS code. We are a 501c6. So uh, yes, we're a nonprofit, but no, your contributions to us are not tax deductible. So let's, let's get that one out of the way. We're an association. Uh, that's how we're set up. Uh, now, the other thing that uh, distinguishes us from some of our peers is that unlike the prevailing model of nonprofits operating in this space, we're not a membership club. So the various brands and retailers that rely upon us um, ask you to get RAP certified or, or endorse our certification program are not our members, nor are the factories that we certify. Uh, so in that sense, uh, we're, we're unique and we have structured ourselves this way specifically because we consider it extremely important to our independence uh, that it be something that we insert ourselves in as, as neutral arbiters of fact and not as an organization that is trying to uh, uh, appease or engage or in other ways depend on or be beholden to any members. Um, so it is a feature, as I said, that I consider significant and it is critical to our work as an independent certification body that we not be beholden in any way to uh, any organization, whether it is the one we're certifying, the factories, or whether it is the organizations, the brands and retailers that may rely upon that certification. Uh, that independence is also something that we consider important in, important in our governance structure. So our board of directors is mandated by our bylaws to be majority non-industry. We do not want, uh, as I said, to be anything other than neutral and independent. So uh, our board of directors cannot be um, dominated by industry voices uh, by charter. It is, it is set up that way so, to, so, so, so as to ensure ongoing independence, not just in our finances, but in our governance as well. We're headquartered in Arlington, Virginia, just outside Washington, DC. Uh, we have regional offices uh, in two other locations, brick and mortar in Hong Kong, in the greater China area, and in Dhaka, Bangladesh. But in addition to those brick and mortar uh, facilities and staff there, we have full-time staff in Europe, located in Germany. We have staff in Asia. We have two in Vietnam, three in India, one in Indonesia and one in Thailand, as well as somebody that's responsible for Latin America. Altogether, there are 27 full-time staffers at RAP. Ten of these are experienced auditors, six 
our accredited trainers, um, and we conduct audits, as I mentioned, with third-party partners like Intertech all over the world, but also the RAP staff. We have 10 auditors, as I said, but we use the RAP staff primarily to conduct quality control. They audit the auditors uh, rather than actually auditing factories directly. Uh, the, the auditors that go out there and do RAP audits for, our, for us number somewhere in the 300 range and are spread out all over the world. And as you already heard, uh, our largest partner in this space is Intertech. Um, the 12 principles that we cover, uh, I'm not going to go into this into too much detail because we don't have that kind of time, uh, but they are all drawn primarily from the core ILO conventions, International Labor Organization conventions, that deal with things like health and safety, wages, working hours, discrimination, harassment, forced labor, child labor, the kind of stuff you're all quite familiar with in this space. Our first nine principles cover those. Uh, we do go a little bit further than most other programs, and we add on a couple of additional uh, uh, sort of value-added principles in our audits uh, to give uh, a little bit more uh, for the factories and the brands that use us. We have a principle on the environment, uh, which basically deals with environmental matters that directly impact worker health and safety. We are not an in-depth environmental certification program, and we don't want to uh, position ourselves as such. We're mainly concerned with waste management and those kinds of things at the factory level that will impact worker health and safety. And then we also, because we recognize that to a man or woman, every one of the factories that we certify are all exporting units, uh, we also cover uh, customs compliance and security as part of our audits. And the security principle is benchmarked one-to-one -to, -one to CTPAT, Customs Trade Partnership Against Terrorism, uh, foreign manufacturers requirements. So this helps uh, exporting units be able to give their uh, uh, clients that much more of a uh, sense of comfort that they are indeed good partners, not just from a social responsible manufacturing point of view, but also from a security and, and, and uh, uh, export to a uh, likely going to be a uh, importer of record in the United States point of view. Um, I mentioned earlier that we are the largest independent program in this uh, industry, the apparel space. I want to put some numbers to kind of back that up and give you a sense. Uh, we're midway through um, 2018, but I wanted to give you our numbers for 2017. China's our biggest country. We had a little under 900 factories in China register with us last year. Vietnam coming next, just over 400. In Bangladesh, almost 300. India, Pakistan, Cambodia, and then Sri Lanka comes after that, and Indonesia, and Egypt, and Mexico round out the top 10. Uh, we received 2,781 applications uh, last year. There are a little over 2,400 facilities around the world in about 40 different countries currently holding valid RAP certificates. Altogether, they employ about two and a quarter million workers spread out around the world, as I said. Um, we try to reach out to all those workers and to all of uh, the folks in the supply chain and sort of make communication a big part of what we do. Uh, we have a weekly newsletter that's completely free that you're welcome to sign up for. Uh, there's no ads on it, no nothing, on our website that goes out to over 8,300 people all over the world. The website itself receives over 6,600 unique visitors each month and is currently available in four languages, English, Chinese, uh, Spanish, and Bangla. And we're about to add a few more uh, to it as well, including Vietnamese. So uh, again, a great resource for for both buyers and specifically local vendors to get information about RAP and how to proceed. 
Um, and as I said, we are full-time staff located in eight different countries around the world. Between us, we cover 17 languages. So if you're in this space and you want to talk to somebody in, in your own time zone, in your own language, odds are you'll find that somebody at RAP without any difficulty. Let's talk a little bit about implementation requirements. What it comes down to for RAP and for any program really worth its salt is we're looking for management systems. How are you, your facilities, and for that matter, the, the buyers and retailers that, uh, uh, brands and retailers that rely upon us, approaching this issue? Are they doing so in a systemic fashion that addresses this as an ongoing matter that needs regular attention, or are they simply in reaction mode, right? We always say to factories, if your approach is, if there's a problem, I will deal with it, then you're already behind the eight ball. Because the approach really ought to be, how do I prevent problems from happening in the first place? That's what a management systems approach is. That's how you proactively manage things as opposed to simply reactively take care of issues as they come up. So we're looking for management systems. And what it really boils down to at the factory level is, is there sufficient commitment from the top, whether it's ownership or top management at the factory level? Because it's a simple sort of fact of human nature that we will consider something important if we think those we report to consider it important, right? So show me a factory where the owner or the top manager, the general manager does not think social compliance matters. And I'll show you a factory with problems when it comes to responsible manufacturing. Conversely, show me a factory where you have the top guy that says this is important, then you're gonna see attention being paid all the way down because they know it matters higher on up. But it's not simply a question of lip service saying it's important. You gotta make sure somebody is assigned responsibility for actually implementing it. You wanna make sure there is somebody at the factory level that has responsibility on a day-to-day -day basis and it's not just lip service from the top saying, oh yeah, this matters. I've been doing this a long time and I can tell you, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, if you walked into a factory and talked about social compliance, even if they knew what you were talking about, if you ask them who's responsible for it, you'd get vague answers. Well, the general manager takes care of that kind of stuff, or maybe the health and safety manager does. Now you go into a factory that's been doing this for a while, you're gonna find somebody with the job title, social compliance manager. That's what you need to be seeing, and you need to make sure that that person is properly empowered, properly resourced, properly trained to handle this on a day-to-day -day basis, and not simply as a reactionary thing. When it comes to getting RAP certified, it boils down to these things, the adoption, the deployment, and the monitoring of those 12 principles. We want factories to have in place policies and procedures that cover those issues and handle them on a day-to-day -day basis, as I mentioned. We wanna make sure that those policies and procedures are properly deployed with the right people having responsibility and authority to implement them. And this is the key, we need to make sure that they're all being monitored properly as well. It's not simply an audit that you gotta prepare for and pass the day the auditors are in your facility. No, you need to be able to show that you have ongoing monitoring in place to ensure that this, these matters are being taken care of even when there are no auditors in the facility. And you gotta obviously have supporting documentation and other relevant evidence to show for it. Um, and really, the, the thing that you really wanna make sure you're able to demonstrate is that you have continuous education of your employees, because as we all know, this is a very high labor turnover space. 
And so you cannot simply have workers you know, trained once a year and let it go because in between those, a lot of workers come and go, change stations, all kinds of things. So it's all about making sure there is that continuous education and ongoing management of the workforce. So what's the certification process like? I'll go through this pretty quick because I know you're all very familiar with it. And in this regard, we're very similar to all the other players in the space. You start with an application, uh, um, and this is something you do uh, on the website. Uh, the individual facility is the one that directly applies to RAP. That's one of the other things that we are uh, uh, able to achieve by not being a membership model. You don't have to have a member do it for you or become a member yourself. It's simply an individual facility that wants to get certified, comes onto the website and fills out the form, registers uh, to get the process going. It begins with a self-assessment. We want to make sure the facilities understand very clearly what is it that we're asking of them. There is no gotcha in this space. Here's what you're expected to do. And if you do that self-assessment honestly and, and, and with rigor, you will know whether or not you're ready for certification. It is as simple as that. Then you will have the audit itself take place. You will engage with a third-party monitoring firm like Intertech to come and visit your facility. The audit will be unannounced. There will be a window of time, a one uh, four-week window uh, that the audit will take place in, but you will not know the date that the auditors are going to be in your facility. They will do a tour. They will talk to employees. They will interview management. They will do document review, the kind of stuff you're very familiar with. And then they will submit a report to RAP which we in turn will review internally to make sure it does indeed meet our standards. Uh, unlike other certification programs, we are not a registrar, which means that the audit firm that does your audit is not the body that will be issuing you the certificate. We are the certification body. They will simply report to us and we will make a determination upon review of that report whether or not it is worthy of certification. After certification, all facilities essentially are promising that they will continue to stay in compliance throughout the period of certification, and therefore we reserve the right to conduct what we call PCAs, post-certification audits, surprise visits at any time to the facility during the period of certification to see that they are um, uh, keeping up with the practices that they promised they would keep up with. These PCAs are done at no charge to the facility. It is part of our quality control system. If PCAs find uh, uh, non-compliances that might require an additional visit to verify correction, those visits might be charged, but that PCA initially is not. So speaking of charges, what are the fees? The registration fee is a flat 1,195 US dollars. Hasn't changed in a long time now. Um, and it is uh, a flat fee, as I said, for any factory. Uh, that wishes to sort of to, to um, uh, seek RAP certification, it sets a six-month clock ticking. So when you pay that fee, you have six months from that time in which to complete the process. So we strongly encourage factories, even though we're happy to take your money, to first do the self-assessment, make sure you're ready for the audit, and only then register. So you give yourself that full six months to get through the process in case a follow-up audit is needed and, and corrective actions have to take place. So that's generally a, a good way of doing it. And to be honest, we're generally quite generous in uh, extending that six months if the factory has truly been working during that period to achieve certification and just needs a little bit more time to complete corrective actions or some other uh, implementation to actually get there. We would, we would need proof of that. Uh, uh, we're not simply going to say, all right, six months are up, you get an automatic three months more. But if you are indeed in that position and you need a little more time and you've been working, uh, we're quite typically generous in extending uh, that, that deadline. Uh, there are additional costs to the registration and that, and that involves the audit fees themselves. 
This is something you will pay directly to the monitoring firm in question. And that is not flat. It will depend on the size of the factory because the audit is the length of the audit, the mandates, audit days required to conduct the audit is a function typically of the size, but more importantly, of the number of employees in the facility. Uh, most RAP audits are probably going to be in the two to three mandate range. Larger factories will need maybe more. Uh, but as I said, that's a fee you'll pay directly to the monitoring firm and, and not to RAP. There are three levels of certification uh, at RAP. Uh, there is the platinum level, which is a two-year certificate. That's about 10% of our, our factories only. Um, and you only get it after you demonstrate full compliance with all RAP principles for three consecutive years. So you cannot start off as a platinum. You got to have a, establish a good track record of clean, successive audits with no gaps between your certification. And if you do that for three years, you get rewarded with a two-year certificate. Most factories, about 89%, a little over 89% of our factories are our standard gold certificate, which is valid for a year. And you get that when you demonstrate full compliance with all RAP principles. This is, as I said, the standard RAP certificate. There are about 1% of factories that have silver certificates, and these are valid only for six months. And we issue those to factories that demonstrate risk factors that would suggest to us that they are not going to be able to maintain compliance for a full year just yet. So these could be very new factories or factories that have had multiple audits before they're finally able to uh, get certification. So the comfort level is just not there that the management systems are in place, but they're trying and they need to be acknowledged. And so we do so with a silver certificate. And as I said, very rare to find one of these. It's actually a little bit less than 1% um, of, of our certificates. I'll remind everyone that all factories, regardless of the level of certification, are subject to unannounced audits during the course of their certification, what I called PCAs a few minutes ago. Um, all right, let me talk just a little bit about some of the sort of philosophical um, aspects of, of this space and, and what are some responsible practices, uh, responsible sourcing best practices. Um, we are a certification program and we rely on audits as the information gathering tool, but I want to be very clear that we make it known that auditing alone is not enough. You're never going to be able to audit a factory into compliance. An audit is an information gathering tool and you have to be able to act on that information in order to make the progress you need to get that factory into compliance. And in that same vein, social compliance is not a one-way street. It began somewhat unfortunately, in a bit of an adversarial style 20 years ago with buyers kind of telling manufacturers and saying, this is what you got to do. But it's evolved significantly since then. And most buyers, certainly all enlightened buyers, recognize that it's not simply a matter of dictating terms. It's a matter of understanding ground realities. It's a matter of making sure that there's engagement at all levels, from the buyer all the way through to the manufacturer, and understanding that there are practical challenges faced all across the board. Buyers are doing this because they have their issues that they have to make sure that they're they are covering, but manufacturers themselves have challenges. And in many ways, the consistency in the messaging between buyers and manufacturers has to be a part of the greater dialogue because one of the major problems with the way social compliance evolved was that there used to be a disconnect between sourcing and compliance. Sourcing folks would go in and say, all right, we got this factory, we like it, they, they can give us what we want at the price we want, at the quality we want and the time we want, let's get manufacturing going here. And then compliance will come in afterwards and say, oh, we got issues and we got to deal with this. And that creates all kinds of challenges because 
Sourcing is the one paying the factory, but compliance is the one making demands of the factory to invest in its resources. That disconnect has to go away. And in enlightened buyers, it has happened. Uh, we're not seeing that sort of speaking with forked tongue anymore and understanding that it's about building partnerships and recognizing that if, a, if, a, if the sourcing guys make a change in the order in the last minute and don't add time for the manufacturers to you know, accommodate that change, then they are actually responsible for social compliance challenges that emerge as a result of the need to work excessive overtime to get that product out on the original date. That sort of evolution of thinking is happening and we're a big part of making that happen and we're ensuring that folks understand that it's about building partnerships, it's about building relationships, and ultimately it's about continuous improvement. No factory is a static entity that is today perfect and is gonna stay that way forever. That's just not how it works. Neither is a brand or a buyer or a retailer. So it's about continuous improvement across the supply chain and it's about ongoing training and education, both at the buyer level, at the factory level, and at the worker level. Those are the kinds of things that we emphasize and we wanna make sure people understand. And so our practices are consistent with that. Um, as I said, it's about systemic approaches, making sure there's management systems in place. It's about engaging with facilities to build relationships. We honestly believe that ultimately certification is not the end of the process, but really the beginning. We wanna work with those factories. We wanna foster trust as a means to get to greater transparency. And I'll say one more thing about that in just a second. Just as I said, we see the certification milestone as the beginning of the process, not as the end. Um, it's about those ongoing conversations. It's about that continuous improvement. Um, and in, those, in that regard, those conversations and our, as I mentioned a second ago, our desire to foster trust and the recognition that it is in greater transparency that we will be able to make greater progress led us to adopt a radically different approach. This is another area where we're quite different from some of our peers with regards to working hours. It's one of our principles. Um, and uh, typically the uh, uh, way that this is handled is there'll be a number that the, the, the standard has, or there'll be a uh, reference to the local law, which has a specific number, and you're expected to comply with it. Uh, and we all know that around the world, ground realities are different. Factories sometimes have to work overtime. Typically workers want the extra hours because they come with a premium. And over the years, the uh, insistence, the rigid insistence on meeting a specific number has had a very deleterious effect on the audit space because it has really been the main cause that has prompted factories to engage in falsification of records. They look at a standard or look at a buyer's requirements and say, all right, you wanna see 60 hours? I'll show you 60 hours. And as a result, you end up with a whole lot of challenges in the audit space, not merely with trying to determine the reality of the hours, but also because most wages are tied to hours, most of these workers are paid by the hour, you end up not being sure what the workers are being paid is what they're supposed to be paid either. So over the years, we've struggled with this and we've had to sort of play uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes with factories all the time, and we got tired of that game. And we said, all right, what we want ultimately is to see real improvement. And in order to get there, we have to acknowledge the realities these factories face. So our new approach to working hours is saying, look, the law is what the law is. We respect it, recognize it, we want you to get there, but we know it could take some time to do so. So as long as you're being honest with us, tell us truthfully what the hours are being worked, and we can validate that they're being worked safely, they're being worked voluntarily, and they're being paid for properly, 
then we will continue to working with the factory, certifying them, even if those hours are not yet in full compliance with the law, with the understanding and the requirement that the factories must put in place a long-term plan. This is not a short-term corrective action plan. This is a long-term plan to identify the root cause and get to where you're able to make it down to what the law requires eventually. Typically, this could be a case of a bottleneck with a particular process, so you might need to hire more people there. It might just be a simple question of re-engineering the lines. It might be that your selling team is just selling too much and never saying no to a buyer. There are all kinds of reasons that are behind this, but we want the factories to truly understand what those causes are, and we will work with them to uh, achieve that over time instead of having that rigid requirement that only prompts falsification of records and doesn't actually lead to any real progress. Education, as I've said a few times now, is essential. It's essential both at the buyer end of the spectrum and the manufacturer end of the spectrum, and we consider that a part of our mission. So one of the things that we do is we also have some training programs that we offer, uh, lots of general awareness trainings we do around the world, speaking at trade shows, at uh, manufacturers associations, conferences, at vendor summits. Uh, we have a five-day lead auditor training course that we uh, use. This is typically something that we limit to professional auditors, so uh, staff on organizations like Intertech will take it in order to perform audits for us. But we also have a two-day internal auditor course that is very much aimed at the manufacturers and, and buyers to make them understand what it is that compliance programs are about and help them set up those internal management systems to adequately uh, uh, put in place protocols that will address these issues. We also have several modular training courses out there. There's a fire safety training that we provide that is uh, really, a, 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 I know I'm biased, but a great one-day course that has helped a lot of factories understand the basics of fire safety. And it's focused not on evacuation, again, on what to do when there is a fire, but rather focused on how to prevent fires in the first place, which is the management systems philosophy that we said. Uh, we also have a CTPAD course. As, as I mentioned, our principle on security is benchmarked one-to-one -one with CTPADs uh, for our manufacturer, manufacturing facility guidelines. So let me uh, wrap things up, pun intended, uh, by talking to you about the benefits of certification. Um, really, it's about credibility and dependability. We are a professional program, as I said, that made the decision to focus on this space precisely to provide expertise and increase credibility. Uh, we're a cost-effective solution. Uh, I, I gave you the numbers on there, and uh, I would uh, encourage you to obviously look around and see what other options you have out there, but for what you are paying, I would submit that you're getting great value for that money. Uh, as I said, we don't have any gotcha philosophy. We have clear requirements our self-assessment is the exact replica of the audit report that the, the auditors will submit. So factories that are being honest with themselves will go in knowing what it is they're expected to do. There's not going to be any surprises there. We emphasize, in fact, we require systemic approach. You cannot get RAP certified if you do not have your own internal audit policy and procedures in place because we don't want uh, uh, factories to simply rely on year-to-year -year audits. They have to continuously monitor themselves as they go along. And being in this space, being part of uh, uh, the, the social compliance sort of ethosphere, we make sure we stay ahead of trending issues and keep up with best practices, even drive them. Uh, you heard mention of the Association of Professional Social Compliance Auditors, APSCA, the professional body that is, that is going to set the standards for and monitor the uh, uh, professional accreditation of social auditors. 
We're deeply involved in that process. I actually happen to be the chair of the APSCA board um, and have uh, a lot of uh, uh, faith and a lot of uh, hope for this organization to really improve our space significantly. Um, the other thing we bring to the table is expert resources locally available. As, as, as I said, and as you'll see in a minute, we have folks in eight different countries speaking 17 different languages. Any factory you have at any major source of destination will be able to pick up the phone during their own business hours, talk to somebody in their own language, and be able to have their questions answered in real time. Um, ultimately, it's about minimizing audit fatigue, and that is something that we are all striving for, and a big advantage, of course, of RAP certification, because uh, for the apparel and some product space, um, there is no other certification program that has more acceptance than, than RAP. Over 300 different buyers will, in some form or the other, recognize the RAP certificate as uh, part of their social compliance due diligence. So, in conclusion, let me reemphasize that point. RAP is the standard most often cited for social compliance certification in the textile sector. I didn't make that up. That came from a 2010 UNIDO study, the United Nations Industrial Development Organization, called uh, Making Private Standards Work for You. More importantly, though, the way I sort of pitch RAP and that we see ourselves as is a responsive and effective partner for supply chain social compliance management, whether it's at the factory level, at the vendor level, or at the buyer level. We truly want to be a partner and engage with, the, with you in that space. I thank you for your time. Thank you for those of you online. I look forward to hearing from the rest of the panelists and to the uh, final session at the end, which also, by the way, is a wrap-up session. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Assurance in Action. If you'd like to learn more, please visit intertech.com or rapcompliance.org. Again, seats in the live stream of Ethical Sourcing Forum in New York on November 6th are still available, so please follow the link in the description and register today. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all Assurance in Action episodes.